I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's good, y'all? This is Watch Less. Complex is podcast about movies and TV. But instead of worrying about all the bullshit that's on your timeline, we're here to give you what's real. This is Cal, deputy editor of pop culture here at Complex. And as always, I got the homie Fraser Tharp, Summer yes, Man. Sir. It's good with you, man. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> That's the type of energy we need. Nothing um, is good. Binging. Binge, binging what? Uh, Mr. Robot is the wave right now still. Fucking finally. It's coming along. Finally. You should, you should have been on this wave. I should have. Anyway, special edition of the podcast this week. People heard the podcast for the first time. Last week. Right. We basically have two episode ones. Facts. Facts. It's like one and zero. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, that's how they do it in comics. One A, one B. At Complex Con, early November, we had all the podcasts got introduced. Um, if you weren't there, you fucked up. You should have been there. But we're here. I, we I, had some seats. There were. <laughs> we had an audience. There was an we audience. Heard, we had claps. But we didn't have you. We had like a couple extra seats that you could have been filling. Facts. But. Sneaker layer podcast. (laughs) Next year, maybe we'll have some better scheduling for us. Prime. Um, But we had a very special guest. You'll be able to hear that episode today. Um, We had Kenya Barris. Big homie. Big first guest. Yeah. I think a good indicator of the type of guests that we're going to have on here. It's like, you know. We can get names, but we also want to get the people behind the scenes who are just kind of like pulling all types of strings. And I think when people think Kenya Barris, they think of Blackish, and then maybe yes. they think of the spinoffs, Cronish, mm-hmm. uh, Mixedish, just still, mixed still plugging along on ABC, right? Oh yeah, I mean it just started, so yeah, yeah. But you know he's up to so much more. Yeah, I think I forgot. Like he he wrote on Girls Trip. He wrote Girls Trip. He wrote Girls Trip. He. Uh, wrote the shaft reboot yep um he's currently working on the coming to america sequel and on top of all that he signed left abc left abc signed a crazy deal with netflix that has him like up to 10 different projects like yeah there were like three i knew about then when we started doing research for the episode and like oh there's like seven more that he's cooking all at the same time he also like you'll hear he randomly drops like oh yeah i'm working on a movie with jonah hill like things like that or like you know will smith was telling me (laughs) when why (laughs) that man stays busy um i think netflix just like pays people in and like add well you know adderall they they get ideas people i mean it makes sense they've got him they've got ryan murphy they got Shonda Rhimes. Right. Like they're, they're, they got Mark Millar. Like, it's people that are big on ideas and big on uh, turning those things into and actual I'm glad projects. you named those people because that's basically what he is. You know, Shonda mm-hmm. and Ryan got the big, splashy headlines for, for their Netflix deals, but Kenny's basically coming up to that level. He mentions things like uh, the different types of features that are on the Cuddy album <sighs> that is a part of the animated series that they're working on. Yeah, you might want to listen to that before we get 
get a call. I, I will say, I was kind of... <laughs> he he's all right. He said it's sanctioned. It's, yeah, no, facts. He's I mean, a professional. He, his publicist was right there, so yeah. it was a problem. She would have thrown up the red flag. Facts. You know? I, well, and I will say, because I know, I don't know how you were feeling. I know I was nervous as fuck. I was nervous. Yeah, honestly, I think that it's just it's because we didn't have the table. Yes, a yes. table makes like a, the podcasting mindset so Facts. much more. Once we actually got there with the audience on the couch, I was like, "Oh, this is weird." Well, you know what? It was? Once he walked into the room, and it's <laughs> oh, it's... well, first of all, he was like super iced out. Facts. Well, I guess we got to take it back because uh, <laughs> one of the exciting things was getting Kenya Barris was that I had actually profiled him a couple years back, way back, like. It, it came out in 2016, so I must have done it in like December 2015. I visited yeah. the set of Blackish. It was like season two. Season two, yeah. yeah. Uh, spent some time with him on the set and then watched them film. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's been really cool to watch him uh, come up since then. But back then, he was like, you know, he had on like some. He kind of dresses like Anthony Anderson does on the yeah, show. He's literally Andre from Blackish. Then he pulled up to like Complex Con with like. Like Jay Z level, I yeah. He had a couple of chains on. He was definitely rocking some off whites. Netflix. Man. He had what? Well, it was the stupid, uh, the 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 kids see ghosts. Yeah, the cactus plant. Crazy. Without further ado, here's our full conversation with Kenya Barris. You know, big it up for that. Um, you guys know this man. He's the creator of Blackish, which spawned off a, a bunch of other shows. The Ish Universe. Ish <laughs> Universe is here, um, but he's working on a lot else. He's got he's. Signed with Netflix last year. He's got like 20 different shows he's working on there. He's working on movies. He's going to be, he's writing Coming to America sequel. Uh, give it up for Kenya Bears. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming uh, through yeah, here. Man. I thought I was doing something, but I'm just <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he, he came in ice. Right. He, I, I don't think, I, I don't know if he got a memo about the change you had on, yeah, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he I'm came in shining. Um, before we get into anything, we were talking, a, I mentioned it a little bit in the back, but um, you know, I don't think we can start this podcast off without talking about the recent passing of John Witherspoon. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, a monumental figure in the world of comedy, especially for like black entertainment. Um, and I know he's, he's worked a couple of episodes of Blackish as well, so I was wondering if you had any memories or thoughts that you'd like to share about John and his legacy. I mean, he was, he's pops forever for me. You're yeah. saying I'm cool with Marlon Sean, but he came and did my show, and he was just everything you wanted him to be. He played a character, JB, who was like a, a shitty accountant who didn't have an office and worked out of a diner. But he was, you know, you, you kind of could just put words on a page and he could make anything funny. Mm, that mm. was the thing. He was legitimately a person who built a character and let that character, you know, become like iconic through his words, mm, you know, through mm. his, his lens. And it was amazing. Yeah, that, think, he's, re- he's really going to be missed. I think it's dope that you mentioned that he was pops for you. Cause I think, you know, in a piece that I did for the site, it was talking about how, because he's been doing things for so long, it feels like it depends, your age will base which John Witherspoon you remember. Like, right. I know, you know, Boomerang, he was the... the bang, the, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang at the, <laughs> at the, at the dinner table. Um, and you mentioned in Pops. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all Pops. <laughs> <laughs> some, and some kids might have... I mean, you know, he was Spoon on Tracy Morgan. Or Granddad. Also. Yeah. Boondocks. Uh, granddad oh, on the yeah. Boondocks is a big yeah. one. So, uh, yeah, it's dope to uh, see. Dad, you, were you cool with him before he was on the show? Or? I, I knew him. I'm saying I was, I've always seen him around. He always was super nice. Exactly who, who you think he is is mm. who he was. Um... Knew his wife. His wife's an art dealer, you know, and son does the best impersonation. Of his him. son's hilarious. Very, very yeah. funny. Um, so it was, it was shocking mm-hmm. for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I know we all have our, our moments, but it was shocking and sad. And 
you know, I, I'm glad that he left a, a, a legacy to be celebrated. Yeah, it was dope. If you guys aren't aware of John Witherspoon, definitely just go on YouTube and just type his name. There's so much hilarious content from him. Um, but again, it's, it's Kenya Barris is here today. There's so much content coming from you. Um, before we get into the new stuff, though, we wanted to talk about um, what is, you spent so much time working on black issues. There were so many um, amazing episodes. I think one of my favorite, it's not even that funny, it's just the speech that uh, Andre gives after the election, mm-hmm. and, you know, at work going back and yeah. forth with his coworkers. But I was wondering for you, what were some of your favorite memories or moments from the show that you had a hand in? That was definitely one of them. I think I wrote that episode that being able to sort of, that was interesting because the speed of television we were able to get that episode on like right after he came, took, took, took office. Mm-hmm. And we threw out another episode and wrote it and produced it and direct, you know, got it shot and edited in two and a half weeks. Wow. Um, so it came on literally right after it happened. And it was during a time Chappelle had done that amazing monologue, which I think sort of re-put him back in the zeitgeist in a huge way mm-hmm. on SNL. And we were able to sort of be in that conversation and get people talking. And I think that was the, it came from a conversation in the writer's room where I have a lot of, there's a half, half the room was, you know, white liberal writers who were really upset and they were like, I can't believe this. And like, mm-hmm. and they were really, I can't work. And I'm like, dude, like, I get it, but like, we're used to not getting our way. 100%. You know what I'm saying? I was like, so you gotta sort of, we gotta keep going. Um, and, you know, to be able to have that conversation and really sort of in that, that speech that you're talking about, um, Anthony has a moment where he said, you know, black people, we're, I'm pissed, I'm super pissed, but you know, black people, we're gonna, you know, in the hood, we're gonna go vote. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter for us who won, the hood wasn't really gonna change, but we still right. took part in this, you know, system because we wanna be a part of the, you know, of the, of the system. Mm-hmm. So having them, you know, that, that speech really for me was one of the highlights of, of the whole show. 100%, yeah. 100%. Um, also, I wanted to talk to, I was, go, I forgot that, there was a word released that you're gonna be turning, you're basically turning what was the Juneteenth episode into a play or yeah. like a stage musical. Um, when did the idea for that come about? Was it when you were working on the, that episode? Yeah, I was working on that episode and we actually made it sort of like musical. And it was super fun to do and it actually came out really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, after a while I was like, there's, there's a bigger story to talk about. And actually now is really important because there's a huge thing sort of brewing that's kind of like I've been, dealing with some Ben Crump and some other, like the reparations conversation mm. is about to sort of be the conversation that is gonna be the next border control or same-sex marriage. It's gonna be one of the huge, bigger conversations. There is a moment where actually Ben Crump, who's a big attorney, he was Mike Brown's attorney and um, uh, Trayvon Martin's attorney, Orlando Castillo's attorney, but he is part of a, a family that's representing, um, there were these dictographs that Harvard has that they um, had these two slaves, Renty and I forget the other one's name, but they were husband and wife, or supposed to be husband and wife, but they were, Dick DeRoss were like, there are really detailed older pictures. You know what I'm saying? They mm. were beautiful, but they, Harvard's made tens and tens of millions of dollars taking them on tour and talking about them. They were really originally used because a professor at Harvard was using those pictures to say, as proof that blacks were inferior. Oh, wow. You know, and, but now they sort of, over the time, have become because they're some of the oldest and most detailed descriptions or uh, details, examples of what slavery looked like or whatever. Um, they've gone on tour and made all the money. So the family wants the pictures back. Mm-hmm. Harvey didn't want to give them back. Ben Crump sued and for a 
piece of Harvard's endowment, like an undisclosed amount, those lawsuits usually take tons and tons and tons of time. Harvard went and immediately started having settlement talks. Oh, wow. And, or wants to have settlement talks. And part of that is setting up for the reparations conversation that there is a huge group of legal minds that are getting together to say there is a notion that you have to put... There's, there's never been a prosecutable case of slavery. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that is, as horrible as the, the Holocaust was, there's a face to put to that, to that evil. Slavery mm-hmm. wasn't illegal. So if, you know, if someone now says you know, they want to go against it, it's a, it was morally, people can say that, but it wasn't legally wrong. The country never, there was nothing wrong if someone had slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's the greatest human atrocity to ever happen in the world. And so there's a great legal minds that are put, getting together that they're going to put a case against the United States. And they think that there is a very good chance that the case has real, you know, real traction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been things I've talked to, heard talked about like there's a version of no more taxes for blacks, you know, for African people of African American descent and things like that. Like it's a huge conversation. So all that to say, Juneteenth for me was I used to laugh at Juneteenth growing up. I used mm. to like Juneteenth, you know what I'm saying? Like this is some <laughs> bullshit. Um, but it was when I got older I realized like how stupid Columbus Day was and all this thing. How can and how as much as much as I love hot dogs and fireworks how can we say that that's Independence Day if everyone wasn't free? Facts. And Facts. so I really wanted to make that something. After that um, episode came out, Apple put Juneteenth on their calendar. It's on everyone's phones. Google wow. then followed up and put it on their calendar. Mm. Um, so Pharrell got, me and Pharrell got together. Um, we got the Oscar Eustace, who runs the public um, theater in, in New York, to say that he would produce it, and we're you know, trying to get the play done. That's awesome. What is it? Is it difficult? Because I imagine that's a totally different structure than. It's completely difficult. Yeah. It's it's literally plays take forever to get going, and then my schedule has been so so busy. Mm. Pearl's actually done a couple of songs that are amazing already for it, but it's it's a long process. But we want to do it right. And is it is it a modern sound or is it's, it? It's both. Okay. Mm. It deals with a guy who's who finds out that he's um, related, you know, through his DNA track, finds out he's related to some slaves in Africa, I mean, in, in Texas, who were on a slave farm in Texas. And he finds a piece of documentation that shows that there was um, complicity between the United States government and the Texas landowners too, which is actually what happened. We, Juneteenth, they let, let it go. We were supposed to be freed three months before, but the Texas landowners let it go for three months without letting the slaves know because they wanted one more crop. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, so it was, hundreds of thousands of people kept in slavery, which was already wrong. So he finds that the government, the U.S. government, actually knew what the state was doing. And so it's the first sort of, in fact, moment of, like, uh, culpability between the government. So that's where the play sort of takes place. Gotcha, gotcha. It's interesting, too, that you said you feel something brewing because I think we're starting to see that reflected in the art, too. Like, we just saw Watchmen um, Mm -hmm. depict... The Tulsa Massacre, too, which was another event that I feel like a lot of people weren't as clued into as they should have been. Mm-hmm. I think that right now there is a lot of things that, like, you know, we're seeing with Me Too. We're seeing, there's, it's, a, it's a time of accountability, and I think that there is, you know, that is something that accountability has to sort of, you know, catch up to. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, so much of what we've done is influenced by 
that time in our life. You know what I'm saying? Like it's even affected our genes. You know what I'm saying? Like in just the idea of epigenetic coding of if you're any, any people that go through a certain amount of like um, bad things or this, or if you live in a cold environment, it changes who you are. And I think like we see higher blood pressure, you know, a higher cholesterol, higher this because of the stress and tension and things over hundreds of hundreds of years happen. Right. Yes, it's a hard goddamn life, guys, just so you're aware. <laughs> this shit sucks. No, but um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, this kind of shifts perfectly into something that we see a lot in your content anyway, where you're, you keep the funny, but you make sure that there's real like social commentary, you know, you're talking about real issues that are going on, you know, today. Was that something you always wanted to do? Or do you feel like now that you're, you've been put in these power positions that you have to make sure that those, those statements are being made through your art? I definitely want to talk about stuff. I don't know that it has to be sort of in the same light the blackish is, but I do think that just as, as a writer, you want to say something, you know, even it's about relationships or about parenting or about, you know, the world we live in. I feel like I definitely want to have, you know, want my sort of voice to be something that talks about things mm-hmm. and has something to say. I feel like um, even when I would look at stuff like, you know, everything Norman Lear did, you know what I'm saying, things that, you know, I was a huge Spike Lee fan. Right. You know, those are the things that really sort of made me want to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Um, it's been a year, you've been with Netflix, you know, you mentioned, you know, in the, in, in the back before we got out here that the last seven months, eight months have been like... Hardest in my life. <laughs> well, the talk, because I know the, the one series that piqued my interest the most was Black Excellence with you and Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. And it was because they said that you're going to be, you're doing your usual writing and producing, but you're also going to be starring in it. Mm-hmm. When did you get the, like your IMDb does not have a lot of acting credit right. on it. So <laughs> None, maybe when, one. When did you get, get the idea to be like, look, I want to be in front of the camera for this as well? Um, I didn't want to do it. I mean, we started casting for it um, and we had somebody we wanted to do it. And then it felt really weird to have somebody play me again. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that show kind of already exists. Facts. Um, and then I had a conversation with Larry David and he really, which is, you know, Seinfeld and Curb and, you know, all the stuff he's done really, are, he's one of my writing heroes. But he was saying like I had to do it. And he Word. was explaining to me why and, you know, how you do it and, you know, the idea of sort of I'm not an actor, but that kind of makes it okay. Mm. Um, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done. You, I'm assuming you went through a lot of like acting classes. I didn't and all do that. one acting class. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do one acting class. Um, so, but it's changed your perspective a little bit yeah. in terms of writing. I think and anybody who wants process. to write or direct, you have to take an acting class or, or try to act mm. because it changes. Like I told you, I was like, I'm, I'd rather you point a gun at me than a camera. Like you could rob me with a camera. I feel like the I'm so you're so vulnerable, especially with eight K cameras now. Like you know, I'm fucking not Boris. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying? I'm you're sitting there and everything is like right on you, and you can't mm-hmm. if you're having a bad day, if you're nervous, if you feel fat, if you feel you know sad, if you feel whatever the case may be. Like it's all right there, and you can't hide it. Right. And I think when I'm on the other side of the camera, I'm like, why doesn't he? Why doesn't he just do this? Why is he not getting? It changes the way that I sort of will talk to actors and how I'll deal with actors moving forward. And it's, you know, the hours are crazy. You're up at four o'clock in the morning because you have to go through hair and makeup, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're in every scene. And I'm writing and acting and producing and directing. So like it literally is, like I'm literally coming out from a scene, rewatching scenes, going back, telling people in the middle of scenes what to do, you know, saying that this light isn't in the right place or this isn't there, and then. 
you know, having to do rewrites, it's, it, my brain feels like pudding yeah, when, yeah. when I'm done. It's a little full circle, though, because I've read that you tried stand-up comedy at first yeah. coming in, so that has a performance aspect that you kind of scaled back from. Yeah. And now I, you're back in it. I sucked at stand-up. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I realized that I was good at, I, before Bernie passed, I got to write jokes for Bernie and do some, you know, but I, got, I was good at writing people's jokes, and I would, you know, and a college kid, I could sell a joke for 20 bucks or 50 bucks and be like, oh, but I didn't have the performance you know, element of it. I think Rashida on the show has really, really, really helped me. Yeah. And the way we're shooting it, it's not like a regular show. We're shooting it. The conceit is that it's my daughter's documentary that she's shooting to get into her entry exam to get into NYU. Oh, okay. So she's documenting her family. So we shot DocuSile. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to do turnarounds and coverage and things like that. It's all sort of like fly on the wall things. So you get to, it's kind of improv-esque. Mm -hmm. um, it's fun, but it's also... Exhausting. What are some gems that LD gave you? Um, use the, you know, when you are going and you're um, casting, whenever you're casting people, those are your moments that you remember of how you're actually going to act in the scene. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like lock in those moments when you're, you know, playing around in casting. Um, have a playback. You know what I'm saying? Like when you know, it was something, I, actually, Will Smith was the first person I saw where was working with Will, biggest actor in the world. And he, after every scene, at least the first few scenes, would get, come out and say, let me see what I did. Mm. And it would stop the scene, and in some aspects, it's kind of slowed it down, but then it would be so much better because you get to see, oh, I did this, or oh, I'm looking like this, or, and you, so have playback, you know, remember what were your rehearsals, um, you know, have fun, you know, and, you know, it's, it really, it's a family show, but it's, you haven't seen a family show like this. It's like a, you know, there's cursing and there's, it's the stuff. It's that, real life. Yeah, it's the it's real life. Mm. He Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, I, I know it's Netflix, but there's any word, possibly, possibility when people can see Black Excellence? April 1st, or April 3rd. April the first 3rd. week of April, yeah. Okay, bet, Yeah, bet. the commercials will, for, will start coming out in a, like a few weeks, I think. Dope, that's what's up. One of the other anticipated series that you've got coming out on Netflix is Intergalactic with Kid Cudi. Yeah. Um, he talked about that on our, um, in our cover story with, uh, with Nigo not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting because I believe it's, it's animated, but it's also like his music is tied into it. It's crazy. It's the craziest thing. I've, I mean, in terms of TV, I got it's the most ambitious thing. Like, and it also shows who he is as an artist. Mm. So he came in and we were talking about, you know, actually it was me because I wanted him to, to, to do something with my daughter at a school and he was super cool and did something for my daughter. But we started just talking about him and i am just been a huge Cuddy fan forever. Okay. Um, and he kind of like created his own lane. You know what I'm saying? He was one of the first, you know, rappers to sort of talking about, start talking about like mental illness, mm -hmm. you know, his sort of depression and kind of like, you know, what's now sort of, used to be sort of a pejorative, derogatory term, like an emo rap. You know, now that sort of is thing. But we started talking, and he's a huge fan of animation, mm -hmm. you know, and the notion of, 
animation lasts forever. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can see, like, my kids will watch animation over and over and over. And so the idea of there's never been a, an album and a series dropped at the same time. And so mm -hmm. each, each song will have a 30-minute narrative that kind of explains what that song is about, and it's a love story, and it takes you through. It's a story of, you know, guy meets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back. But it's like the story of, like, a, a youthful love story told through Cuddy's music. And as an artist, to take and hold off an amazing album. I wish I could let you guys hear it. Like, it's amazing. You got it on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's to hold off an amazing album, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's gonna be a, it's like, it's an album of bangers, you know? To do it for two years, you know what I'm saying? Mm. To get this series out, it's like that's the dedication that he has as an artist. And I feel like that makes, you know, the series, I think, something that people are gonna really, really, I hope people really, really enjoy. Were the, uh, so I'm, I'm assuming for, he's had this album done for two years, or was we he did. still working on it? We did it. We're, he's still working on it now, but we're doing, we, he has the basis of every episode, but he's going to do more music. Okay. But we did it specifically for this series. Were there, were there instances where you guys were working on something in the series and it kind of informed and like made changes to the songs, or, or are you not privy to that? Um, yes and no. I mean, meaning there are, we really let the music sort of drive the, the, the creative. But there's moments in the creative that Cuddy will say, like, I want the song to sort of take this turn, you know, or, and he's doing the score to it with, you know, um, Doc, you know, Doc Genius, I think his name is. Mm -hmm. um, Doc yeah. Genius, yeah. And um, it's, it's just crazy. It's uh, Ty Dolla Sign has a crazy oh, wow. collab okay. on there. And just there's some crazy collabs in there. There's like a oh. Gucci. Anyway, it's. It's something you guys are going to be like. I hope people are, are really blown away with well, it. Hopefully we can get a zip of the album <laughs> at some point. Cutty would no. kill me if you <laughs> preview backstage. Also, the, the, it's, looking at your IMDb, it's so interesting to see the different stuff you have going on because yeah. you're also producing the Astronomy Club mm -hmm. series, which I mean, I mean, I know of a couple of those guys, the John, James, and Gerard, they did yeah. um, the, what was it called, projecting series for Seriously TV. Under Complex, it was a couple years ago. Um, and I know they do that as like a sketch group, you know, in it's, the New York it's area. It's hilarious, honestly. How, how is this gonna be different than, say, a Mad TV or an In it's, Living Color? It's definitely black, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And black in a different way because they are, you know, they're different different types of, type of guys, but it is, it's sort of taking and examining black culture in a sort of in-your-face Way, you know what I'm saying? The one of the sketches I can talk about it. They have a magical Negro rehab center. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, and it's for like, you know, it's it's the the driver and driving Miss Daisy. It's for the, you know Michael Clark Duncan's character in Green, Green Mile. Mile. It's for the character from Bagger Vance. And it's Damn. like all these, you know, like they they really want to help white people. They just can't get a stop. They can't stop being the, the helper. But like, um, it's that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's someone who has to have an emergency. Um, hairline transplant because you know this is shit. It's, that's it's, real. It's, it's that's, super. That's, that's <laughs> it kind of close real. right there, can you? Um, so you know it's it's in your face. It's I think it's super um, it's super funny, but it's also it, it's smart. They're smart as hell, and I think that that is that's where we're at right now. And we haven't really seen that, and they're like you know as a black improv group, you haven't really seen them on a major stage. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, that's a big part of something. I'm just, I, I got to produce Deion Cole stand-up special. Oh, word. Um, through Netflix, and it, you know, I was really proud of what he did. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I think like comedy is in a place where it's taking a, a turn again. 
And I think that it's, you know, I'm doing a movie with Jonah Hill at Netflix and it's about an interracial couple and, you know, things. But I think that Netflix is a really good place to sort of get comedy back to mm. where it needs to, you know, to get. It's, well, it's, how do you feel about Todd Phillips' recent comments about comedy? Um, it's interesting. I mean, Todd can say that because he already got rich off comedy. Mm -hmm. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Now you can sort of say, like, but I do think that he's not wrong, that I think that we're in a time right now where it's scary to sort of, you know, I'm on, sitting here on this podcast and I'm like, I have to watch my, my publicist here. Like, you have to watch everything you say, you know, because it's like you never know if it's like a gotcha moment. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Kevin Hart right before he had his accident. He was talking about Chappelle. And he was like watching Chappelle's special. He felt like he knew what Chappelle had that he didn't. And what, you know, he's like, Chappelle's free. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like, this is a dude who doesn't, he's untethered. You know what I'm saying? He's not worried about, and not, he's like, I think that he said that he thinks that that special put him in the same conversation with Pryor. Mm -hmm. And I really agree because Chappelle doesn't, he's not caring. Yeah. He's not trying to be malicious, but I think comedy is supposed to be something that makes you laugh, but also makes you think. Mm. And it's really hard to make people think and laugh when you're also really worried about saying the wrong thing. Word. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's, um, you know, growing up in Inglewood, I would say all kind of stuff, you know what I'm saying? And I would sometimes realize I was wrong and is that, but you have a chance to sort of have to realize that you're wrong or have conversations or mm. whatever. Now you don't get a chance or a second chance. So I feel like, how can you make people laugh? The best laughs come when you're like, I can't believe I'm laughing at that. Yeah. yeah. And how can you make people feel like that if you can't say the thing to make them feel like that? Mm. And really those kind of laughs actually start conversations. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like that is, you know, to Todd's, Todd's point, like that's the hard part about comedy now. Like when you can't, um, you can't, you know, I have, I have a, a huge um, thing with, with no saying nigga. I feel mm. like I definitely say it. I definitely feel like I've, that's my badge, you know what I'm saying, of my tribal, you know, like my entry card that I can say it. Right. I feel like, um, I definitely think, obviously I think white people can't say it. all my daughter's friends they all think it's cool to say it. Like, it's like all their little white friends think it's cool. To, it's <laughs> part of the thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, like she gives them passes. And I'm like, you can't give this pass. You don't have the ability to give this pass. But, you know, she brought a real point up to me. She was like, how can I say that they can't say it? And it's in the words of song or the favorite song. Exactly. And I'm like, that's like, you know, it's like giving somebody a book to read, but saying you can't read page 13, page 48. But you want, but you want them to buy your book. Yeah. And yeah. so I have a real sort of like back and forth problem because I want to support artists' freedom, and I totally believe in that. But at the same time, I'm like, how can we say that they can't say the word, but then we want them to buy the music? 100%. You know, 100%. so it's kind of you know back and forth. So, you know, having that conversation can get me in trouble based upon what you know what I say or what I feel, or my, and I feel like that really sort of hurts. Yeah. You know, how we sort of look at comedy and what it is. And I feel like, you know, the best things, like you guys are doing a podcast, the best podcast will be when people say shit they're not supposed to say. Word. You know what I'm saying? But you'll get less and less of that mm -hmm. if, you don't, if you're not allowed to. Howard Stern, who I think is one of the best interviewers out there, goes in and gets people to really talk. And I think that's the thing that I really feel makes Howard Stern Howard Stern. But you're going to have less and less of those moments if everybody's worried about offending people yeah or i mean you got the guy on snl like he lost a whole job for that you know for, for the things he said on his podcast so yeah it's I, I when you were talking about Chappelle, i was thinking he's free because he's not like this is all he's doing he's all he has to do yeah. is do his stand-up special like he doesn't have to worry about 
movies or you know TV deals, any of that stuff. So yeah, you can say whatever. And if the they cancel you know. him now, I mean he's rich. He's like I don't yeah. care. And then you kind of see that. Mm -hmm. And Chappelle's fucking a genius. Like you talk to him, he's literally a genius. And I, and that's the other thing. I think it's it's. I don't want to say people get a pass for saying certain things, but. If you're saying certain things, they have to be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you can't. I don't think Chappelle would get um, these deals and this money if he was whack. You know what I mean? Like, so the fact that he is one of the best stand-ups in the world can help him. You know, be, be able to be freer with. Well, that's what kind of got the SNL guy out of here. Just wasn't funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it just wasn't. They, you were literally just being racist. But you know, that's that's a different. But you know, you bringing that up does make me think about Eddie Murphy because I know he's. Coming, he's not only got Dolomite, but he's supposed to be doing stand up, you know, next year. Yeah. And he's made comments, basically just assuring people to know that, you know, the, the Eddie you saw back in Delirious and on Raw, I can't say those things. And he, he understands, which I guess is probably one of the hardest gigs. It's like maintaining a level of funny, but also making sure that you're not pissing off. He really is the, I mean, I'm doing Coming to America with him, and I, you know, that was my first time actually even meeting him and going up to the oh, house oh, and, wow. and hanging out with him. And it was crazy to see Eddie laughing at my jokes. Like, it was like a super like, oh my God, it's Eddie Murphy. But he is, has reached such a pinnacle and such a place that like, I really, I really wonder how the whole stand-up thing for him is gonna be. Mm. You know, because he was saying all kind of stuff to Larry Raw. And how do you sort of stay, be, still be Eddie, but go out and be funny, yeah. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. the, I, the, they're going to do something really special. I won't blow, but uh, to get his comedy out. But it is, it's really interesting. Even in coming to America, there's moments where he was, he's very, you know, sure about like, that's not what coming to America is. Like it's coming to America was a fairy tale, and it was about this, and like we want to not make it about race and not make it about this, but it kind of has to be. So it's he's he has to walk a line mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. really interesting way. I just saw Will just put. This picture out. Will yes, Smith just put yes. this picture out. It was they're doing Bad Boys for Life on mm -hmm. the same lot as um, on Tyler Perry's lot, um, same lot they're doing Coming to America. And so it was Will, Martin Lawrence, Eddie, and Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Yeah, yeah. And it just was like for me, it was to see these four icons, black men doing these re you know reboots of these you know movies that have black leads being shot on a studio owned by a black man. Yes. First. First. Yeah. yeah. It, these are the first films that are being done there, right? I'm yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it just was, it was insane. So I feel like it was such a proud moment. Um, at the same time, it made me nervous, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like, you know, you get these opportunities and the hard part is when you get the opportunities and you've, you know, asked for them, you can't, you know, you can't get up to, play, to the plate and strike out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like there's a lot of pressure, you know, and I went to support it and get behind it, but also for them to step up and do their thing. It's an interesting sort of duality, sort of to know that you want the opportunities, but in getting the opportunities, what comes along with them. Word. Word. Was it nerve-wracking for you to touch Coming to America specifically because yes. it's such a staple? It's, it's, an it's an iconic film. Yes, I did not want to do it. So did, did Eddie hit you up specifically? Um, Kevin, yeah. Well, they hit me and asked me if I would take a look at it. And it was it's one of my favorite movies. And immediately my answer was no. And then I read it and I was like, fuck. I mean, I was like, I kind of... You got to do it. I feel like I had to do it. And, you know, it is... You know, it's scary. I did Shaft. And, like, you know, and it was a reboot of Shaft. And it was... I, 
highest testing movie in New Line history, right? Everybody was like, they're ready to do Shaft, you know, the next version of it. Basically bombed, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like Netflix, it did really well on Netflix, but in the theaters, basically bombed. And I'm like, you know, the reason that the critics went after it, they said it was toxic masculinity. And I'm like, it's fucking Shaft. Yeah, what do you, what do you <laughs> like, expect? Like, it it yeah. should have been called Shaft Toxic Masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would have been, a, you know, but I feel like we're in this point in age right now where it's, you know, do you touch things that have, you know, that kind of, you know, history behind them? I really feel like we came up with something really special. I feel mm -hmm. like we got everybody back. Um, it's all kind of guest appearances. And it's an interesting sort of story. You know, Eddie finds out that he has a son. Um, and he want, that son has to come back because his father is passing, mm -hmm. his father's passed, to, to be prepared that in case he passes, to be the heir to the throne. And it deals with all kind of issues, but it's, you know, it's, it's just beautifully cast. And it's, it's seeing Eddie and those guys in the barbershop Doing those things, you know what I'm saying? And, and oh, they take it back to the barbershop with all, the you're multiple gonna characters. The, you're gonna see all the stuff that you remember. Um, okay. You know, I'm getting it. It just was. It feels like being like a, a piece of history, mm -hmm. part of a piece of history. But it's at the same time, I'm super afraid. You know, you want it to be well received. Right. You want the opportunity, but you wanted you wanted to work too. Mm. I mean, you. I mean, you know, you talk about shaft bombing, but I mean, you also did Girls Trip. Like that's a, that was. On the, on the total opposite end, one of the you know, most praised for how much money it made at the box office. Right, and I think that that's, that's the part where it starts to get scary because where, where Netflix is a better, or not a better, but Netflix is a safer place because you're not tied to what, a, what the box office says. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people, like I think Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 33 for Shaft. Mm -hmm. The audience score was a 96. I think it broke the record for the biggest discrepancy between the audience and- That makes sense, that um, makes sense. Uh, and, and critics, and so you were tied to what the box office made, but people at home said they liked it. Mm. So I think that's the place where Netflix makes it, or, or and streamers in general make it safer, is that you don't feel like you're worried about what the box office you know, does. And they have an amazing sort of algorithm that they've worked out. Like mm. if you know, they have five years for a movie to pay for itself, like if, if oh, wow. it's, it's content satiation. They want, if an audience member or paying subscriber watches it within a certain amount of years, they feel like that was well worth the money. So I think that they're gonna, that's gonna be the new sort of box office. Damn, okay, five years, that's a, that's a much, <laughs> it's like five, week, five years versus five weeks. Like once a movie is- 10 days, really. Yeah, if you don't yeah. get it, if it doesn't pop in the first- Well, it's all about the opening weekend too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a wrap. They're already talking about Terminator Dark Fate being like- Done. Yeah. It, it's Saturday. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy to me, it's brother. Out here? You saw that, right? I saw, I saw it. I, did you I like it? No. I haven't seen it. You didn't like it? I, I thought it had amazing action sequences, mm. but it just was like, I could have, you know, it was fine. It wasn't, it was, that's the purpose. There was no stars, really. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's definitely one of those films where they feel like they're retooling the series for the future. Right. So they're ushering out. They, they're bringing people back, but they're kind of going to the wayside for these newer characters. It's done. <laughs> you guys heard Hang it here first, up. if you've not seen it. It's done. Um, I think we're, we're coming to the end of our time, and on the show, this is like literally one of the first episodes we've ever recorded, but we want to ask everybody who's on, what are you watching right now? And I know you don't have a lot of time because you're so engrossed in everything, but what, what is mean, Kenya Barris watching right now? I'm, you know, I loved Euphoria. Talk about it. I love Euphoria. Very dope. Um, 
That, that carnival episode was one of the best episodes. Yeah, that's Bruh, but we, we watched it, we're like, yo, this this series is cool, it's but this made made the series worth that it. That episode, and they kind of kind of jacked Gaspar's stuff a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, um, but it was, that episode was one of the best directed episodes of television I've ever seen. And then wow. Secession is my shit. Secession High, where <laughs> y'all at? That's a big one, that's a big one. Um, show of the year. Uh, yeah. Snowfall. Snow, I just caught up on Snowfall, and that show was amazing. Snowfall is my shit, Rest too. in peace, John Singleton. He really did it with that show. He, he killed it. Um, you know, I think uh, Snowfall, Secession, um, Euphoria, um, something else I got into. Oh, I'm really fucking, it's a, I, I'm really liking Rhythm and Flow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's, I, really like I don't it. know if you know, he, he's an after-show alumnus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> Some late. <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. But he was. Episode two. Shouts Ooh, out my God. He's super bad. That's crazy. That's um, crazy. But yeah, I'm, I'm, it's so much TV on right now. I feel like... It's, it's too much. It's so much TV. But it's, it's also... It's great. It's fun, you know what I'm saying, to sort of be a part of it. I can't wait for Ozark to come back. Mm. Um, you know, I really... Um, I think that Blackish is having, a, I know it's my show, but I don't think Blackish is having a really, really strong year. Talk about it. I think Gronish, when it comes back with the new stuff, is going to be really, really strong. Um, I'm loving, you know, I love the stuff that I'm, I shout out my, to my own shit, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm really loving that. And, and um, I, we were talking about The Irishman. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think people are going to like that. But I, I really said right now my number one is probably Secession. I'm with it. I'm with it. That's and the Pusha T that's just remix the of the theme Crazy. song was incredible. Bonkers. Just the facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us this week, man. I appreciate well, you coming through. I would love to come back whenever um, you guys I mean, I'm sure you're going to have uh, a million more shows. Uh, we'll have that many. Come check it out. <laughs> Thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. That was our interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean... I don't see how they could not. Man's dropped all types of gems. Super. Stuff I wasn't even expecting. He was... I mean, reparations? Reparations talk. I mean, there, there's Dave Chappelle talk in there. There's a, a Larry lot, David. Larry... Always here for Larry David talk. Yeah, that's going to be a recurring theme. If people don't know the summer, man, they should Listen. know Larry David is a staple in his uh, pop on, culture on diet. The, the Frasier Mount Rushmore. He's, he's the first head. I don't know if he's the first, but he's in there. Who's the first? Maybe Jay-Z. I don't know. Damn, that's right. I should have known. I LD, come on the pod either way, though. <laughs> Big facts. Thank you for checking us out. Shout out to everybody who listened last week and have been giving us positive feedback. I uh, really appreciate that. I just hope that the people who are telling us that they fuck with it are also sending the links to their people. Yeah. Because we, we need all of you to rock with us. And reading. <laughs> subscribing we need all, all, all the types of positive adulation you can give us would be greatly appreciated so we can get uh more guests like kenya oh we're gonna get more guests like oh, kenya. for sure it'll happen i just want to make sure that the people are locked in yeah you don't so want to miss this. you don't want to miss anything from this podcast when larry david's on the watch list season one finale like Bruh. you want to be there <laughs> If Larry Davis on the watch list season finale, you're gonna die after the recording. January. I'm gonna be Book sitting it. here. I'm gonna be talking about you in the past tense because you would have died. Died happy. Facts. On that note, I'm Cal. Frazier. Shouts out to Fraser. Uh, shit. This is Watch Less. Our podcast producer is Shiva Bayat. Our sound engineer is Craig Clayton. Mixing is by Kyle Garvey. 
Special thanks to Editor-in-Chief Damian Scott. Watch Less is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.